Hey there, and welcome to the Skin Lovers Unite podcast. My name is Kelly, otherwise known as Skin Queen, and I'm so excited to educate you on all things real skin science. Over the past five years, I've gone from working as a dermal therapist to a clinical educator where I worked with some of Australia's leading skincare companies, learning so much about the skin and science behind how it all works. And now I'm here to share all my knowledge with you. Let's jump right into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode, Skin Lovers. I feel like I may get cancelled for this, but look... I am quite a controversial voice in the industry and I have been kicked from two Facebook groups this week and I don't care. (laughs) I might actually share that story because I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, what, why? The first group, I'm not quite sure why I got kicked from. I was kicked and blocked. I basically am so sick of people in this group always saying, how do I grow my clientele? And lots of people were like, you need to do ads, Brewster posts. And I just think if your content is not landing organically, it's not going to land with money behind it. So I jumped in and I was like, no, you need to focus on your content marketing strategy. This is what you should be doing. This is what's worked for me. Gave a couple of tips. I did say that I was doing a marketing program if anybody was interested and dropped a link. Next minute, I'm out of the group and yeah, blocked, which is really annoying. I did reach out to the owner of the group via email and she was like, oh, why? What's your name? I'll have to have a look into that. And that's kind of like all I've heard back from her. So I'm like, don't play dumb. I feel like you know what you've done. But then in another Facebook group this week, I did see a lady post in there and she was saying how she's just sick of people using the ordinary And she had commented on somebody's post in a consumer beauty group where this lady was like, I have no idea what to do with skincare. I'm brand new to it all. I've gone and bought all these products and they're a mix of La Roche-Posay and The Ordinary. And she was like, if somebody could tell me how, what, why, when to use them, that would be great. And this lady basically who was a professional in the industry commented on it and said, they're shit products. You've wasted your money throw them in the bin and go and spend $50 on a consultation. And I couldn't help myself. I was going to comment on that post and say it's not professional at all. In an industry where there's a lot of stigma for people coming and visiting skin therapists because, you know, they're worried they're going to get judged or be pushed sales upon and made to feel awkward, we should really be empowering our clients. And I was like, she's probably not going to take it too well. I'm going to go live on Instagram and use this as an example because I just think we can do better as an industry in this area. And I didn't realize that she followed me. What are the chances? This Facebook group's huge. Anyway, and she saw my live and I was quite heated about it because I really truly believe that a lot of us get into the industry because we want to help people and we care about people and we just want people to have healthy, happy, glowing skin. And, you know, what she did was just completely opposite. I didn't think it was very empowering at all. I think it came across very distasteful and unprofessional to which this person's gone back into the Facebook group and said, if you've got a problem with me, come and speak to me directly. Don't air your dirty laundry out on an Instagram live. (laughs) Immediately I knew it was me. And I, I was like, look, I really couldn't help it because I think what you did was distasteful. And to be fair, you did the exact same thing to this other lady in the group. You screenshotted her post and aired out your dirty laundry in this professional group. And she was like, well, I thought this was a safe space. 
And I was like, okay, but so did the other lady. She thought she was in a safe space, yet you were quick to judge. And I know, I know, I know, I know that as skin therapists and professionals, we get so upset and disheartened when our clients choose to use products like The Ordinary or La Roche per se. But the fact of the matter is it's not a bad brand. There's really no such thing as bad skincare, except if you're using St. Ives. Did I say that? I didn't say that. Apricot scrub? Probably not. <laughs> but I think it's just a great entry-level skincare and I think it shows that they actually want to pay attention to their skin and look after their skin. Of course, the products we stock in our clinic aren't always going to suit everybody's budget and that's why people gravitate towards brands like The Ordinary and La Roche-Posé, but it really is up to us as professionals to educate and empower our clients and we can do that in a very gentle way through our social media platforms, through our email marketing, in our consultation, I think it's really important to be sensitive to the fact that a lot of people are scared to come and enter our industry and experience our industry because of ladies like that. <laughs> so I thought with, you know, me ruffling some feathers already this week, why not ruffle a few more by talking about what the problem with chemical peels are? Because Whenever there is any sort of thread or post around chemical peels, people tag me and they're like, I know that Skin Queen doesn't like it, but, (laughs) and I don't know how this has come about. So I wanted to discuss this in a little bit more detail because it really feels like over the course of this year, people are like, you used to be obsessed with chemical peels. Now you hate them. What changed? And it was never me. I just feel like the narrative changed and maybe I did one or two reels and people just took them verbatim and just ran with it and completely changed their views, my view in their own head. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sitting here with a glass of wine so we can chat about it. (laughs) Which is probably weird if you're listening to this on a Monday morning, but it is a Friday afternoon here. So bottoms up to me. (laughs) So when it comes to chemical peels, it's not that I don't like them because I do actually do them on my own skin. In my drawer in my bathroom, I still have a 20% lactic peel. I also still have a chocolate enzyme peel. I also have a pumpkin enzyme peel. And do I have any others? Do I still have a retinol peel? Don't think I've got a retinol peel anymore. But I think over the past 12 months, you know, I've really voiced my opinion on not being a huge fan of exfoliation. And if you don't know why, I'm about to share with you. So back when I worked at Ultraceuticals, I used to be the clinical educator for Ultraceuticals for four years. I was a bloody terror with my skin. Holy shit balls. I used to do everything and anything to my skin to the point where one day I had the opportunity to do a really intense treatment. So it was a microdermabrasion followed by a hydrodermabrasion that actually had a lactic acid peel infused in the serum. So that was being infused onto my skin and then that was removed. And then it was followed with a retinol and enzyme peel that was then infused into my skin as well with sonophoresis. So intense, right? I still remember Dr. Jeffrey Heber, the owner of Ultraceuticals, walked in and he was like, what are you guys doing? And we told him, he was like, you're not going to have any skin left after this. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. My skin can take it. I'm tough. I was freaking 22 years old. (laughs) My skin was fine. I really didn't need that sort of treatment. 
But I think as therapists, we can all be a little bit of a cowboy sometimes because we've got it there and we like to push the limits and we like to push the boundaries and we're like, fuck it, my skin can handle it when we really probably shouldn't and I really probably shouldn't have had that treatment. Anyway, two weeks went by and I was like, I might back it up with another retinol peel. Did this retinol peel and when I removed it, I removed skin as well. And at first I didn't think anything of it, but I think like a couple of minutes later I was sitting on the couch and it felt like my face was weeping. So scary. I should actually show the before and afters. If I haven't already shown them on my Instagram, I'll have to dig them up from the archives and show them, but it's quite confronting. (laughs) Anyway, so I was like, oh, I don't know what I've done to my skin. Loaded up some barrier cream and the next day I woke up and those like weeping broken bits of skin had turned into scabs. And I was like, oh my fucking God, I've caused epidermal sliding. So I had to go visit a clinic that day on the Gold Coast. I was living in Brisbane at the time and I texted them and she was a nurse. She is a nurse. And I was like, oh my God, Marina, please don't judge my skin today. I've completely botched it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Just ignore it because I was going down for a training and a meeting. And she, when I got there, she was like, right, we're doing PRP on you straight away. If you haven't heard of PRP before, it's where they draw blood and they put it in a centrifuge to actually separate your red blood cells from your white blood cells and those white blood cells or those platelet-rich plasma, that's what PRP is, was then injected back into my face and she actually did it under where I had this epidermal sliding. Three days, you guys, it was cleared up. I was like, holy shit, and she didn't even charge me for it. I was like, are you sure? Because usually those treatments are, are upwards of $400. She was like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's my treat. Like, let's see how you go. Three days, honestly, I was like shook. I cannot believe it. I don't know why I haven't gone back and had PRP again because it was literally li- liquid gold. It's so natural. It's obviously drawn from your own body and it just changed my skin. But I think if I didn't have access to that and didn't have that opportunity, my skin would have been a lot worse. But anyway, Months go by and I really back off my actives and I just use barrier-loving products. I eventually quit Ultraceuticals at the end of that year and I started with Advanced Skin Technologies in January the following year, started on new treatments, new products, went down to Melbourne for training and they got me on the bed to do a 20% lactic peel to which I was like, yep, fine, easy, you don't need to prep for that. That made my barrier impaired. And for no joke, you guys, six months after that experience, I struggled with my skin getting reactions, responses, redness, swelling, irritation, you name it. I'd really done a number on my skin. And I think that's because after my skin healed itself and I was using barrier loving products, I still was using retinol and I was still using lactic acid in my cleanser don't know if I was using any other lactic acid serums, but I just hadn't done enough work to get my barrier back to where it needed to be. And this is something that I hear a lot of clients deal with, with their treatment sometimes. Sometimes if a client is on an extremely active skincare range for a while, where there is a small bit of lactic in their cleanser, a small bit of lactic in their serum that they use at night, they use a retinol, there could be a little bit of lactic in their moisturizer as well. 
And like, this is a lot of skincare brands, by the way, there are a lot of skincare brands that like sneak in a few active ingredients and people think the stronger is better. And then they'll use it for three or four years or even more, could be five or six years, no problems. And then all of a sudden, one day their skin just starts reacting and responding and getting red and irritated. And that is just a sign of chronic barrier impairment. And I know this because I've experienced it. It took me six months to get my skin to a place where it wasn't reactive anymore. And that involved me having essential fatty acids in my diet and really stripping back to just using no actives at all. I could not put one, I couldn't put a vitamin A, a vitamin C, I couldn't put an AHA, anything on my skin at all because my skin was just like shell-shocked for lack of a better word. Oftentimes we don't even think about this as therapists because it's a skincare brand that we stock in clinic. We've been to product training and we are just applying it to our client's skin and recommending it to our clients as per what we've been trained by brand training. But when you actually have a thorough understanding of barrier function and how skin functions, then you'll really start to apply critical thinking and be like, oh, yeah, is this actually good long-term? And it's the exact same with chemical peels. So this is the thing, right? It's not that I have a problem with chemical peels because as I mentioned before, I still have a lactic acid peel in my bathroom. I'll still do a vitamin A peel here or there. And I've got enzyme peels and chocolate peels in my bathroom as well. But what I see happening is so many therapists going to product training, learning how to do an entry-level peel, learn how to apply it, learn how to consult for it, learn how to step clients up. And so for a lot of therapists, it becomes the go-to. When you might need to be doing six months worth of groundwork to repair somebody's barrier first, but instead so many people just want to get to doing the first peel and the second peel. Like I totally get that because that was me as a therapist for so long. Like I just wanted to advance people and take them to the next level all the time. But, you know, that can often cause more problems than good. And if you don't follow up with your client to find out how they actually went with their treatment and they had a bad experience, the chances are they might not come back. Oftentimes when we have a brand new client coming into our clinic these days as well, 95% of them say that they have dehydrated, sensitive, or impaired skin. They don't actually know what an impaired skin is, but for us as skin therapists, we know that they are dehydrated or impaired. So then why is one of the first things we're going to do on them, and I say one of the first because most people will do one or two facials first and then come month two, start slapping on a peel. But if somebody is dehydrated and impaired, it can take six months to repair their barrier. And so my problem doesn't lie with chemical peels. I definitely think they have a place. But also when people start to do these high-strength peels or these double-layered peels, I'm like, but what are you trying to treat? What is the end goal here? Because oftentimes therapists can't answer that. Sure, if somebody's got melasma, not that I would be doing too many peels on melasma, but if somebody's got uh, glycation or they've got quite a lot of sun damage or quite a lot of fine lines and wrinkles, that's when I would probably be looking to do these more advanced peels. Or if they've got like chronic acne, I'd be doing a salicylic peel followed by a blue light LED or even doing a oxygenation treatment first. But you guys, when the barrier of the skin is so healthy, people will actually get amazing results because the skin will function as it's supposed to and it'll do what it's supposed to. And then you only need to use peels as a corrective here and there. 
So it's not that I've got a problem with chemical peels. I just think too many people are quick to reach out to them and like perform them on our clients without actually understanding barrier function and respecting the barrier function too. And this comes down to me being a corneotherapist and doing so much corneotherapy training. This is what I teach in Skin Queen Society. If you haven't been through the program and you have no idea what I'm talking about, but this is really piquing your interest, this is exactly the foundations of Skin Queen Society. I talk all about loving your barrier function, how to do that, why that is so important, and the functions that just stop working and become impaired when our skin is dehydrated, sensitized, sensitive, impaired, all of those things. So if you've been thinking about joining Skin Queen Society, then I'll make sure to pop a link in the show notes so you can actually have a little look-see and have a little see if it's going to be the right fit for you. But yeah, I think over the years or over the year rather, it's just somebody has said that I don't like peels and everybody's run with it. It's not that I don't like them. I definitely think they are overused by our industry and overused by people who don't fully understand the skin. But there's definitely a place for them. I even did a two-part series on my podcast a little while ago about the different types of peels and how to use them. So I don't know where it came from. But anyway, there's that. (laughs) I'm going to stop rambling now, but hopefully that clears up any confusion. Thank you so much for listening as always. And if you feel so inclined to, I would love if you could give the Skin Lovers Unite podcast a little review. I really love reading all of the reviews and Because when you're doing podcasting, it's really like a one-way communication. Like I'm sitting here right now speaking to my microphone with my glass of wine in hand. I'm not getting any feedback from you guys. So let me know if you like this episode by giving me a little review or share it on your Instagram stories. Because if you found value in this, then somebody else is going to find value in it too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it or learned something new, be sure to share this on Instagram and tag me at Skin Queen. That's Queen with three E's. And I'll be sure to repost you. Have an amazing day and stay moisturized.